we just were starting to uncover so many different opinions from so many different people. They'd all watch Game Changers again, um, and all these different um, vegan books and online reviews. It was really interesting for us to see the differences through the body, and then obviously getting the blood results back at the end of it, and really going, wow, that was quite a cool, cool test. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. Let's lay out a fun scenario, shall we? Say there are identical twins. And one of them goes vegan, and the other one does not. What do you think is going to happen? Well, Hugo and Ross Turner wanted to know, and so they decided to put that very question to the test. These are identical twin brothers living in London who are actually professional explorers. Really, I can't think of two more enchanting chaps to ever have on the show, let alone have this incredible conversation. So, what happened? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what happened. They got a lot of press from this experiment. That is what happened. So much interest after their story first appeared in Men's Health. So we are going to be breaking down the ins and the outs of the entire experiment with Hugo and Ross on the show today. And even though this was just a 12-week trial, it's still fair to ask yourself, do genes really have to be your destiny? Does DNA really dictate our future? Or do we hold our future in the palm of our hand? Well, Hugo and Ross are going to try to help us figure all of that out. And I implore you to please pay particularly close attention to when we begin to talk about how different their cholesterol levels became. And as for you fitness fanatics, well, you are really going to enjoy this. How did their performance in the gym begin to differ? Was there a difference in energy? Did either one become stronger than the other? Who had the upper hand when it came to endurance? Well, we're going to be finding out all of that in just a little bit. Plus, today on the show, Dr. Jazz. Dr. Jasmine Sardana will be back with another plant-based Q&A, talking all things nutrition on the table. These are your questions from the exam room live. So what do you say? Let's you, let's me, let's raise our nutrition IQ together. But before we do that, before the good doctor puts school in session, let's get schooled up on epigenetics and what happens when identical twins take different nutrition paths. Have you ever wondered 
if there were identical people in this world, twins, if it were, and one went one way and one went another, how differently things could turn out? Well, my next guests seek to answer that very question. Matter of fact, they kind of do that for a living. But one particular experiment is of interest, I believe, to the exam room listeners, and that is one went vegan, one didn't. What happened? And to get the answers, we welcome Hugo and Ross Turner, known as the Turner Twins, to the exam room. Gentlemen, thank you so very much for taking the time. Uh, pleasure. Thanks for having us. I, I'm just fascinated. When I stumbled across your story in Men's Health, was just blown away and wondered why somebody hadn't done this any sooner. Um, but before we, we talk about that, I think that we need to talk about you guys because beyond just this experiment – you guys are fascinating individuals because you are you are professional explorers. Like your job is to go out and to see the world, isn't it? Yeah, it abs- is. yeah, absolutely. We're um, amazingly fortunate to have um, some amazing brand partners that um, help us go and you know, go into the far reaches of the, uh, of the world and and go and have fun together. Um, you know, we're all about discovering something new. So whether that's geographical. Um, doing something interesting that's ever been done or, you know, trying to find out how our bodies, you know, differ under certain, under different circumstances, you know, like vegan, like me, um, and doing all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we're kind of quite curious at the heart of us, but, you know, we do love to just go around having fun, go and travel, and, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, what we're doing inspires some people to change the way they do things or, you know, look at the world slightly differently. Is there an adventure that you've had so far that stands out more than another? Um, I don't know. We've, we've been very lucky. I mean, I say um, we've, we haven't done a lot. We have. We're very lucky. We've been, been on six expeditions now, which obviously isn't in the grand scheme of explorers out there who are very seasoned. Isn't a lot. Um, but each trip has been very varied. And each trip has had particular moments where we've gone, okay, we're, you okay, know, on, you're number one. This is what? it. But, Best moment on the trip? I think ice, um, ice in Greenland, um, yeah. trekking across the Vienna ice cap and seeing Brent geese coming on their migration from Canada. That was pretty cool. Uh, I would say uh, rowing across the Atlantic back in 2011, which is our first big expedition. Uh, we rowed from essentially the Canary Islands to the Caribbean. Um, and middle of the night, you know, the stars are amazing, phosphorescence. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing experience. Yeah, I bet that would put a lot of things into perspective, getting away from the big towns, no light pollution, like really being able to see every single star out there. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Big horizons. I mean, that's what I love about these trips. It was in a a city, we're in London now, um, and you can't see more than 50 meters down the road. And then it's obviously stopped (laughs) by a vehicle or a building, whereas when you go out in the, I mean, America's filled with the most amazing natural parks. So you got that, and it's just miles and miles of views. Um, I think that's what draws us back. So what are you guys doing to, uh, you know, scratch the adventure itch during the pandemic, during this lockdown? <laughs> Using a very big hand and itching. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we, we, we were fortunate enough that um, Home for Us is on a na- in a national park um, called Dartmoor in the southwest of England. So it's kind of the closest part of the UK to the Atlantic or out towards the States. Um, so we've got amazing coastline down there and we've got an, an amazing wilderness um, national park, which you know, we have on the doorstep. So we've, we've managed to get out, you know, within the confines of social distancing and, you know, lockdown measures. But, um, yeah, it's been very difficult. It's been very difficult. And we're you know, planning a few trips 
Um, hopefully, once things ease up, and we were just saying, you know, an hour ago, how frustrating it is to be locked up. But you know, it's got to be done. It's got to be done. Um, how how old are you guys right now? You're still very young, 31. right? Thirty one. Yeah. Although there was an article recently in the Men's Health. Um, somebody commented saying that we looked in our forties, which I thought was, you know, I thought at least a little older than forty. You know? <laughs> no, no. Who said that you were in your forties? What were they drinking? Come on now. Um, so, what what made you guys want to study eating meat versus a plant based diet and how that would affect performance? What piqued your interest in that? Well, I think, you know, as we were saying just before we started this video, you know, the game changes. There's a lot of uh, conversations at the moment going on about, you know, what is better for you um, from a health perspective, from, a, a, you know, all aspects of health to mental, physical. Um, and, you know, the training we do to go on our expeditions uh, can be brutal sometimes. But, you know, it got us thinking, you know, during our expeditions, when we go exploring the world, we have a lot of um, research and scientists that, um, to study our bodies and see how our bodies differ in those particular environments, and you know, having watched Game Changers, having watched What the Health, and all these kind of foodie programs, and it got us thinking. Well, actually, what a brilliant opportunity! We're twins, and we Clearly. can do the yeah, we can do vegan versus meat, a meat diet. Have a twelve week training program that started the first of January, twenty twenty, went on to the end of March. And it was really a case of training programs straight after Christmas. We've had exactly the same, I guess, approach into that, that, that program because we were with each other over Christmas. Um, massively unfit, overboozed, overeaten, but a perfect kind of, you know, baseline. And so we tossed the coin for it. Uh, I, I got the vegan, Ross got the, the meat and we did a 12-week training program to bring us back up to expedition fitness and we just wanted to see what the effects would be so we had um all our body stats taken uh, at the gym um in london before during and after and we also had a team at king's college london's department of twin research which is a huge faculty um for research of twins they get loads of twins in and doing all the time and they just look at various aspects of research using twins. And um, so we could get all the, we got, do we get bloods or is looking yeah, at the gut, we, gut bacteria and things like that. And yeah, the results were amazing. What were your expectations heading in? I, I mean, Ross, were you kind of breathing a sigh of relief that you didn't, you know, get that vegan card here that you flipped the coin and you can continue eating meat? Or were you kind of like, oh man, I really wish I had that vegan thing. No, I was. So a little gutted that I didn't get the vegan because, um, you know, you watch all these, as Hug said, you watch all these documentaries on Netflix, particularly Game Changers, and it really does make you go, am I, you know, should we all be doing this? And so I, w I really wanted to feel the effects of what truly going vegan is. I've never done um, a truly vegan diet. I've done kind of vegetarian a little bit. Um, so, yeah, meat I was kind of okay with. Um, I think we both knew that we were kind of getting back into expedition fitness anyway. So we were starting from base level. We were working together. Um, I think the most, um, the weirdest thing for us is that we just were starting to uncover so many different opinions from so many different people. They'd all watch Game Changers again um, and all these different um, vegan books and online reviews um, and interviews. And there's just, there's no one single way of doing 
different diets to improve different things. There's just so many variables. So it was going to be, it was really interesting for us to um, follow our journey from week one to week 12 and see the differences through the body, physically, through our emotions, through Hugo's um, kind of, I say, hormone levels, and then obviously getting the blood results back at the end of it and really going, wow, you know, that was, that was quite a cool, cool test. And obviously it's proved very popular online. You, uh, I've heard you use the term expedition fitness a couple of times. How does that compare to the average person who goes to the gym three or four times a week? Well, it's, expedition fitness is usually um, lighter weights and much higher reps. So as a normal, a normal person going to the gym might do 12 reps of, say, 50 kilos on a bench press, for example. We usually do around 20 to 25 kilos, so 50% of what you can normally do. And we usually do it 30, 40, 50 times, and then many multiple sets. Um, so we don't want the big bulk. We don't want that because that requires more calories. That means more weight on an expedition and less efficient. So the lighter we are, the better it is. And Hugo, what were you expecting as far as what would happen to your body composition, your muscles, your energy level, all of that? Were you expecting that to decrease based off of, you know, I guess just a, a gut feeling? Or were you expecting improvements based off of the documentaries and the literature that you had read? Well, I guess my perception was that vegans can't get all the calories or as much of the calories as they need or want because they're not eating, you know, the dairies, the meats, all that kind of stuff. So my immediate perception was, well, I'm going to drop a lot of weight because I can't eat as many calories per day. But um, and, you know, I thought my energy levels were going to be, you know, way low. Um, my motivation mentally to go to the gym with those two factors in mind would have been really low. And it was actually not the case at all. You know, OK, the transition from a Christmas diet, you know, cold turkey, it should be really like cold cucumber or something shouldn't it I can't <laughs> cold, cold, cold. but you know that very very abrupt um transition from you know a very wide you know, huge variety of, of diet to a vegan um suddenly you know the first couple of weeks are very very difficult um you know I, I did find my body quite um it was very very tired um I didn't have very much energy I wasn't very motivated um but after those two weeks went past and suddenly your body realizes what's happening and it's adjusting then I suddenly had a load more energy and a hell of a lot more energy all throughout the day so on a usual diet uh, I would you know have a an afternoon you know uh, I just feel tired in the afternoon whatever maybe that's my snacking style but I definitely feel tired and you get a lot a lot more peaks and troughs and then on the vegan my my kind of energy levels just, yeah, so you see, and leveled off. And, you know, I'd, I'd have a lot more energy going to the gym. I felt a lot more motivated for that. Um, I did lose about four kilos of body fat because it's in the, in the first probably month. But I think that was, that was my body react, overreacting to what was going on. Um, and obviously starting a gym, gym routine as well as vegan, that was a very, very big change for my body. So that reaction, um, if we went back to it, I would imagine prob I probably wouldn't lose as much weight in the first few weeks. But, you know, on the whole, it was a really, really impressive the amount of energy you can get just from plants. Well, it's really good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, very good. 
did you have a, a, a problem, I guess, with that increase in fiber? A lot of times when you take meat, take dairy out of your diet, naturally, you're going to be ingesting a lot more fiber. Was that problematic for you? A lot of people kind of feel bloated. No, I, I, um, I mean, going to the bathroom was very easy, um, <laughs> which, which, you know, I, I found actually a lot, a lot easier to go to the bathroom. Um, but no, in, in terms of fiber, like there were, I didn't feel gassier. I mean, obviously I introduced a lot of pulses and beans and things like that. So yeah, flatulence might've been a little, um, higher, but then, you know, I was laughing and smiling a lot more. <laughs> And Ross, I guess that you then you would have those afternoon crashes like your brother was talking about still eating that traditional diet. Yeah, yeah. Like my traditional meat diet didn't really vary too much. We were getting our food from um, Mindful Chef, which is a UK based company that you say what meals you want during the day. So we're getting exactly the same calories, but obviously just from different food profiles. Um, But yeah, my my energy during the, the day and during the week was pretty standard. It was have a coffee in the morning, obviously breakfast, have that spike of sugar and then come down. You know, that sugar low, 11 o'clock, you need another coffee or a tea, maybe a, a biscuit or a snack. And it, yeah, just ebbing and flowing up and down all day. Not hugely. Some days were worse than others, particularly if I was having kind of dark chocolates or chocolate in general. Um, and Hugo's was far more satiated, which was probably one of the biggest take-homes we had is – a vegan diet is very much more stable in terms of um, sugar delivery during the day, whereas a meat is, uh, you know, you get the ups and downs, which was really interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with fiber and the fiber in the vegan diet taking longer to digest. And obviously, then you're not going to get those sugar spikes that would cause those energy surges and then the ultimate crash that comes with it. I think that a lot of that is why a person stays consistent. A doctor would be able to talk more about that uh, better than I could, but that that is just my lay understanding of things. Um, you, you mentioned that you guys were having the meals created by Mindful Chef. So what would be an example of a day's menu? Um, yeah, you, 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 I was on the vegan. Um, so it ranged um, pretty drastically. Um, you know, you'd obviously have your rice, your rice, uh, uh, quinoas, the kind of grains. Which there's a lot of grains that I still haven't um, tried, and I'd introduce. There's a lot of stuff that you know, jackfruit, temper, tofu. So it was, I guess. The association was pretty clear when you looked at the meals. Um, you know, they looked, it was like a vegetarian bolognese or it was, you know, stuffed peppers. Um, it was um, burgers, but they were all vegetarian versions of it. But the what was really nice um, about, yeah, I guess, the food service was that it was, you know, we just tried foods that you never otherwise would ever try, like jackfruit. I don't even know what jackfruit is. <laughs> and it's, it's pretty good i don't even know what temper is um and so you do start you know exploring different you know foods and tastes and textures which you know if somebody doesn't like the idea of vegan like the very least trying something you know we all love trying new foods um and you know there's just a great variety and there's a huge um explosion of different vegan options now and um, meat alternatives which i definitely recommend to anyone try yeah i've i've had a few of them since we finished our um our test and i i'd be very happy like substituting meat for that like, i mean they're really good i think maybe possibly 10 years ago the um 
vegan alternative to meat was probably a little bit like, mm, but like <laughs> a lot has changed. And I had, we had a burger in London the other day that was totally vegan and it was, it was outstanding, like outstandingly good. I don't know if you gentlemen eat steak, but I was reading this morning about an Israeli company that has developed a 3D printer that can print any kind of steak that you want. And I mean, it is replicated right down to the, you know, uh, muscle fibers and, and they, they are able to mimic the blood and everything about the steak. So it is authentic as possible, but 100% plant-based and they can print one say that's, you know, Australian Angus or, uh, Kobe beef from Japan. Like it's just wild how far they're taking this. Really? I mean, tech, tech is crazy. But that's the thing. Yeah. I think, you know, we're looking at, you know, vegan alternatives to meat, but then actually, what's the meat alternative to meat? And, you know, 20 years time, we're probably going to look back and go, you know, little did we know then that, you know, we could do all this weird. I know oh, they're doing pallet grown meat, isn't it? Yeah. Or pet grown meat. I mean, they're growing it in a in a laboratory. It's wild, like in little petri dishes. It's I I I don't understand the science behind it, but I do think it is fascinating. Yeah, I I'd be really interesting to know what opposition it has as well. But yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same both as you. I'm really interested to see where it all goes. All right, so uh, back to the 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 vegan versus the traditional diet here for your experiment. So you say that the caloric uh, balance was was right about there. Was there less fat in the plant based diet versus the traditional diet? Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, Hugo was eating um, a fair few nuts um, on his on his vegan diet, but yeah, I was having butters, cheeses, things like that, and obviously fattier meats. So. I'd probably say generally I was a little bit higher, 20, 30% higher in fat. And what about carbs? Because I know that that's, that's a huge one for people in uh, the fitness world, uh, you know, who are always in training, want to keep their bodies in tip-top physical position. You know, there's always this controversy around carbs. So how did the carbs stack out between the two of you guys? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I'd probably say that I had, uh, was eating less carbs, um, because a lot of the food I had uh, was um, was vegetables. Like the main meals was just veg, like huge amounts of vegetables, aubergines, peppers, courgettes, jackfruit. So I, the quantities of um, of vegetables I was eating in plant based was was considerably higher than I usually. Um, that you know the food that we were being delivered. Um, could we have done it a little better? Yeah, I probably could have done it with a few more carbs, hence why I lost quite a bit of weight initially. And yes, that might be because of the lack of fat and I'm not eating as much protein. So obviously with a gym program, I would have lost that, that weight. But um, I know oh, that you definitely... Yeah, but you, I didn't have a huge amount. I had very small. You had a lot more. Yeah, um, I think... Yeah, the, I think the, the carbs were... I think you probably were higher than you thought. Yeah, but no one near. You have to look back at the the breakdown. Yeah, the rest no one near what I wanted. Um, but I think the, I think it was probably the shock for you, being on a yeah. vegan diet, and going from uh, a normal meat Christmas straight in. Yeah. That was probably the biggest. And then you know, yeah. looking at the graphs, it all came up. Um, the carbs that I were having, yeah, usual kind of potatoes, um, and some pasta. Um, it wasn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you had a huge amount of I get, I calories. I didn't, sorry, carbs. I didn't get pasta. I didn't get potato. Yeah. I love potato. Oh, yeah. No potatoes on the plant-based diet? 
Man, you were missing out, buddy. I know, I know. And I, but that's the thing. And another thing I learned very quickly having, you know, I've never been vegan before was, you know, the amount of product that contains dairy or meat is amazing and actually quite shocking. Like that is, I'd say 90% of the food that you see on a supermarket shelf will have uh, a dairy of some sort in animal, yeah, yeah, dairy product, animal product of some sort. And that was the, the really frightening and difficult thing for me is that if I was shopping or going, you know, eating out at a restaurant or going to friends' houses, it's like, it's not the easiest to shop for, you know, mm-hmm. some crisps if you want a packet of crisps or nuts or, um, you know, oh, you know, do you want a sandwich? Well, what's in the sandwich? If you want a sauce, oh, what's in the sauce? Mm-hmm. And it's just so much that's just uh, dairy and animal based that was really surprising. Now, Ross, when this thing is going, I'm assuming compared to previous trainings that you have been through, your muscles were about the same. Like your strength level was status quo, correct? Yeah, yeah. And um, we were. We like to start all our um, experiments off and expeditions off pretty much at the same weight because um, then you get rid of any bias. And um, we were both around 84. Um, sorry, 84. Yeah, 84 kilos to 85 kilos, roughly within a kilo of each other. Obviously, when you get on those. Um, body track stat machines in a gym or wherever it is fluctuations happen quite regularly between one to three kilos depending on hydration and time of day so we were happy that we were pretty much the same the same way and did you find it was easy to maintain your muscle mass even gain some uh this go around on the plant-based diet let me shift over to your brother here i I, I lost uh, about four kilos of fat so i'm about uh, i was about just over 84 kilos and um, when I started, I dropped within the first three weeks to, um, yeah, about four kilos of fat. So my ma- muscle mass was about 69 and a half. Um, and that kind of stayed rough. Steady. Yeah, stayed steady, but I couldn't put any on. But you on the meat, you... Yeah, I, I managed to gain about four kilos of muscle mass. So as Hugo was staying level at around 70 kilos... I went from 71 and a half kilos of muscle mass to 75 over so, 12 weeks. Hugo, even though you weren't really putting on muscle, did you feel physically weaker in any sense? No, no. I mean, okay, forget about the first two weeks when your body's adjusting and obviously getting used to the routine of going to the gym. Post those two weeks, I felt fantastic. I really felt really good, loads of energy. Did I feel weak? No, I actually had, you know, it's, it's how much energy you want to put into your exercise and I had loads of positive mental energy going in so you were, I you were lift, we were lifting exactly the same um daily during our gym routine so that's probably another a key point is that we were lifting identical weights and doing exactly the same reps so there, w- there wasn't any kind of special treatment for kind of feeling rubbish or kind of one vegan exercise and one meat exercise it was exactly the same so I did have a lot of moments on my meat diet where I was like I'm really not feeling great. Yeah. And he, yeah. I never once, never once in the first or in the three month trial, did I turn up to the gym or before I even thought about, you know, getting to the gym, I never thought, oh, I can't be bothered to go to the gym. When I was at the gym, I was like, I never thought I can't be bothered. You know, I always had energy, always Mm. had focus. When I was there, lots of energy, strength. So 
I mean, there was there was no side effects from a performance perspective, um, other than you know you are seeing your fat mass drop, uh, your muscle mass is kind of maintaining, mm-hmm. um, and another massive one was cholesterol. My cholesterol, oh, our both our cholesterols are pretty high. I dropped, and I you know I've never been able to drop my cholesterol. And we've monitored it, monitored it for several years with the expeditions and the, the research that um, scientists do on us. So that's been something that's always been in the back of our mind. The first two months I dropped from 5.9 to 4.9. Um, and, you know, you're 6.5. I'm still the same. I'm still 6.5 across, across the line. So it's just, yeah, like, I, and I look back at it and think, well, what were the, what were the negatives of going vegan? They were the vegan. <laughs> yeah we we have since like there's been a, a few people reaching out to to us online going like i went vegan and my libido dropped too some people have said zinc helps with that but um <laughs> it's out there it's the public they know about it <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah i i read about that in the article i thought that that was interesting to be perfectly honest uh that was not the first time that i i've heard about that but i you know the majority of cases uh, that i've also read people were able to get that squared away you know just by adjusting a thing here or a thing there um so um i i don't know i don't know enough about that to to speak scientifically but if you want to talk about your own experience with it the, the floor is yours <laughs> There's no experience. Yeah. I don't have anything to judge it on. <laughs> um, okay. As we kind of uh, wrap this up, another uh, a big component of a plant-based diet when it comes to fitness uh, is the recovery time and, and even a lack of soreness for a lot of people. Did you find um, that you were able to, uh, Hugo, uh, recover a lot quicker, maybe a little bit less sore after a particularly intense workout? Yeah, I think I did actually. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't actually thought about that, but now you come to say it. Yeah, I did. I mean, I I have back issues. I broke my neck when I was 17, which is, I guess, why we go and do all these crazy expeditions and things like that. Um, so I've always had issues with my back. So I fractured my neck, but the, all the resulting first for a blow have kind of somehow been adjusting over time um, detrimentally for the compensation of my weak neck. So um, having done the exercise, having done the training program, being on the vegan diet, I didn't really have much in the way of, you know, aches and pains, I have to say, mm. which I usually do. I usually have very stiff lower back, you know, rotationally. Um, no, I, I, I actually... You never complain. You never no. say, oh, you've got the doms or anything like that. That's weird. What about you? Did you... Yeah, I, 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 you, I well, you were definitely your body's falling apart. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> suffered. Um, like like anyone going to the gym, um, yeah, I definitely got the doms, sore muscles, but you you didn't. And I would say generally overall, your performance in the gym was far better. I would be a little moaning, going, you know, I don't have the energy, or I'm yeah. sore, or I can't be bothered. Whereas you were always sparky and going, yeah, I'm fine. That's, yeah, yeah. Ross, is this something you would consider you know, doing yourself for 12 weeks, maybe a little bit longer? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think from the results that we found across our bloods, across the weight, across cholesterol, across from, you know, even down to just how we generally felt day to day, we're definitely going to merge the benefits of the vegan diet and the benefits of the meat diet. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely something we're taking forward. And that's what we like about doing these tests or comparisons 
because um, we're identical twins, is being able to compare, look back and go, what did we learn? Okay, let's take the best bits from both and move forward. I think um, we're not going to go totally both vegan just because on an expedition, it's very hard to go vegan. Um, if you're going to see Inuit in Greenland or staying with them, there is no vegan option. Um, it's either eat well or kind of go hungry. Um, and that's really important for us with our training back in the UK is that our bodies are prepared physically and obviously nutritionally. So when we get out there, we're performing at our best. Um, and that's the only reason why we're not kind of going both vegan. So that's why we're mixing the two. I think it's a really nice, you know, just eat, you know, change, try and substitute meats most of the time. Certainly eat less meat, um, maybe even try fish. Better quality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, snack, snack better, you know, yeah. cut all that stuff out. Little changes as well. I think people, when you say, you know, what do I need to change? Just one or two little bits a month. And over the year, boom, you've got a totally different habit that's going to stick and last. Oh, it's so big. It's it's always the little things. People always ask, you know, well, I could never do what you do. How did you do it? And I'm just like, it's a bunch of little things that really take little to no effort and you don't even have to think about. And yeah. when people, when that light bulb finally goes off in their head and it clicks, you know, that's, that's when people, you know, are finally able to lose weight or train better and, and do it and sustain it in the long term. So I'm, I'm really glad that you said that. Um, you guys are fascinating. You're twins. And a lot of times you can't put a whole lot of stock in a single case study because it's just one person. But here we have identical DNA you know, two essentially of the same person doing exactly opposite things and then getting results. And so I think that the, the, you know, results that come out of this are almost irrefutable. So I think that that is absolutely fascinating. And I can't let you go without asking, what is the next big experiment? What's the next big adventure? What are we comparing next, gentlemen? Well, we are obviously on lockdown, like most of the world. So Adventures and exploration is on pause at the moment, but we are looking at starting in the next month or so an exciting 12-week comparison project um, comparing body weight training to kind of gym weight exercise training. So one of us will be just doing, just using our body for training purposes, and the other one will be doing um, weighted exercises. Um, so we're going to see see the difference between equipment and non-equipment, which will be really exciting. So you can follow that on our social media and on through our website. What's the hypothesis? What are we expecting here? I think <laughs> I, think, I think the important thing to um, to note with these experiments, just kind of the two of us doing it, it's not across a broad spectrum of twins. So it's only our opinions and only our results that we found. So obviously it's not conclusive, but you know it just highlights the differences between us and what we're doing. I reckon the body weight training is going to be just as effective as um, weighted exercise. Yeah, I'm completely opposite. Completely the opposite. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, how can you, like, yeah, look, I'm dumbbelling my own arm. Wow. You know, but you can just do pull ups for that if you want. Or, like, if you get creative body weight wise, we've got to, we've got to lay the ground rules for this because I'd say pull up is definitely, no, you're just using your own body weight. There's no extra a push up. Yeah, I think I think people will be really surprised when they say, oh, I need to go to the gym. Yeah, that's very good. And it's it does motivate you because you paid for it. But I genuinely think you'll get the same results over 12 weeks as okay. weighted like dumbbells and kettlebells. Yeah. Similar, similar physique. Yeah. Fat. Yeah. All of that. 
a great yeah. debate. This is going to be one to watch. So, what do you think, uh, what do you think will be happening? Uh, I think that you're going to have uh, leaner muscle mass with uh, body weight resistance, um, and you'll wind up getting um, you know bigger, stronger muscles with the the gym equipment. Not saying one is better than the other, but that's just kind of my hypothesis. Completely uneducated, just a guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm I'm the same with you. I'll uh, I'll agree, and you disagree. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we can follow that on Twitter at the Turner Twins, on Instagram at the Turner Twins, but with two eyes there. Interesting. Uh, and then uh, the TurnerTwins.co.uk is the website. We're going to put links to all of those in the episode notes for you, gentlemen. Uh, Hugo and Ross Turner, you guys are just amazing. Thank you so very much for taking the time today. Thank Thanks. you very much. Thanks so much. Now, also in the episode notes, you will find some highlights from Hugo and Ross's vegan experiment, the tale of the tape, as it were. You will see how Hugo's cholesterol dropped significantly while Ross's remained relatively flat. And by relatively, I mean flat as a board. Similarly, there were drops in Hugo's weight and fat mass on the plant-based diet. Now, We have converted kilograms to pounds for you because here in the U.S., we're still baffled by the metric system. The majority of us don't know a kilogram from a hole in the ground. So everything is in pounds, fear not. And you know, I wonder, I really do wonder what would happen if Hugo knew a little bit more about a plant-based diet and well-rounded eating before this experiment began. Maybe if he tweaked a thing or two, how much better could his results have been? Hmm. Maybe we can talk them into doing this again in the future. Wouldn't that be fun repeat the experiment? Stay tuned. We're going to try to make that happen. All right. Time now to open up the doctor's mailbag. And this is a segment with Dr. Jazz, Dr. Jasmine Sardana, that was originally recorded on the exam room live. And if you're not watching that yet, my friend, you are missing out. This is a live show Monday through Friday over on the Physicians Committee's YouTube and Facebook pages. And I got to tell you, we always have such incredible guests. It is really the perfect partner show for this podcast. And it's also become the best way for you to have your nagging nutrition questions answered. So in today's mailbag, we are going to be learning about the benefits of a healthy lifestyle and the immune system for folks in their golden years. We're also going to be learning about plant-based foods that diabetics should be avoiding. And along the same lines, how low is too low for A1C levels? on a plant-based diet. I'm also going to hear about osteoporosis and nutrition and what is the connection there. And what about fiber? This is a big one. What about fiber? Do you strip any of it when blending whole fruits and whole vegetables in the blender to make a smoothie? Well, my friend, class is about to be in session and the bell is ringing right about now. How you doing today, Dr. Jazz? Doing great, Chuck. How are you? Thanks for having me. 
Well, thank you so much for making your grand return. A lot of people are chatting us up, so let's get right into it. Ronald on Facebook wants to know, is there any proof that a, quote, healthy lifestyle, which is whole food, plant-based, no oil, plenty of exercise, plenty of sleep, has a benefit to improving the immune system, especially for the elderly? He says he's 83. Oh, yes. Great. Um, Number one, yes. So our immune system um, can potentially get less and less effective with age. So with him being in his 80s, I think it's an absolutely relevant question. Certainly with age comes um, more risk as our immune system, you know, gradually declines. Now, the question about how important and how effective and what role does lifestyle play in building that immunity? Um, There's a large role that nutrition, physical activity, sleep, um, stress reduction and mindfulness have and also having relationships with people have on your immune system. And um, it's not so much boosting your immune, immune system per se, it's really building a strong foundation for a strong immune system. So eating a whole food plant-based diet where your diet is majority filled with amazing magical things like fiber Um, When you have phytochemicals in those plants and certainly making sure that you're getting a variety of plants throughout the week, multiple colors. Um, And as you know, with each different color comes different uh, phytonutrients with plant. So getting that variety, eating the rainbow absolutely affects your immune system because those phytonutrients act as antioxidants. They help to reduce the um, daily assault of free radicals that we consume that we're exposed to. So absolutely whole food plant-based diet is helpful for your immune in building and supporting your immune system. Physical activity, activity similarly, um, you know, just with conditioning of your heart, with your muscles, just being in a physically fit state um, with improved circulation and with your lungs functioning and oxygenation that translates to just being that much more resilient. Should anything happen to you physically? Um, Sleep is another big thing, getting restorative sleep, because during the time that you're sleeping, what your body's truly doing is healing and repairing from the damage of the day. Um, And being able to get that restorative amount of sleep helps with that repair and helps you face another day, helps your immune system face another day that much more resilient. So all of those things. And I love, Chuck, the question, because it doesn't just um, ask about a specific vitamin. It's not asking about a specific um, supplement. It's actually asking about lifestyle and all these different factors. And I think that's the big takeaway that I'd love for everyone to take home is that the strength of your immune system is not found within a bottle. It's going to be found within the things that you're doing every single day, how you're eating, how you're moving, how much sleep you're getting, how much stress you're allowing and how you're managing that. Ooh, that is a quote of all quotes there. Okay. Dr. Jazz bringing the heat. Uh, Val, by the way, says that you rock. So uh, I, I, Val, I agree. Uh, Here's a great question from Edith at 1225. She wants to know what is prediabetes and how is it diagnosed? Great. So prediabetes, 
Okay, so diabetes is um, a condition in which your body is no longer to utilize or has a decreased ability to utilize the amount of sugar that your your body's breaking down from the foods that you're eating. So say you're taking a bite of an apple or, or your meal, your lunch for the day, your body breaks that down, the carbohydrates, proteins, et cetera, breaks that down and allows it to be utilized as energy in the form of something called glucose. There's a gland in our body, really important gland called pancreas that releases a, a hormone called insulin. And insulin acts as a signal to help soak up and absorb all the sugar, allows you allowing, for example, our muscles to soak up all of the blood sugar to use it as um, fuel. What happens when someone develops prediabetes is something called insulin resistance. Um, or there, there's two, two things that can happen with the development of diabetes. There's a reduction in your pancreas functioning well, or something called beta cell dysfunction. Beta cells are the actual specific cells within the pancreas that release the hormone. And, and for whatever reason, they may not work well. In addition, you develop something called insulin resistance where, you know, the signal that this hormone sending out after some time just isn't working any longer. Your muscle cells just aren't listening to them. And what we found from research, first of all, this is a very complex issue. I, I, you know, I don't mean to, you know, make it too simple. It's very complex. But what we do understand from insulin resistance, one of the, a huge factor in it is the amount of saturated fat that's in our, in our uh, meats, uh, I'm sorry, in our meals, for example, from meats. And so when there's a lot of saturated fat that our muscle cells hold on to, it essentially interrupts the signaling that insulin sending out. So insulin resistance increases. And, and so your body, your pancreas is pounding and churning out this insulin. And as you can imagine, at the end of, you know, several years of doing this, your pancreas is going to feel like, man, I'm beat up. So pre-diabetes is when your hemoglobin A1C, which is a lab value that helps us measure how well your blood sugar has been controlled over the course of three months, starts to creep up. It's not quite yet at 6.5, which is the threshold to diagnose diabetes. It's somewhere between 5.7 and 6.4. And what that tells us is that this insulin resistance, beta cell dysfunction is starting to become a problem. And it's it's the, it's the time that happened, or I'm sorry, it's the um, disease process that occurs right before full-blown diabetes. But with the great an important thing to know about that is that you, just because you get pre-diabetes, that doesn't mean that you're automatically going to get diabetes. In fact, finding the reason why we diagnose pre-diabetes and screen for these things is because we want to capture our patients before they develop full-blown diabetes. Because during this stage, and even in some early stages of diabetes and even further, with a whole food plant-based diet, with good lifestyle choices, such as regular physical activity, guess what? Those numbers don't have to stay in that range. They can actually, you can knock them right back down to normal. They don't ever have to progress into diabetes. So again, another important piece for um, plug for, for lifestyle changes. So pre-diabetes is that stage right before diabetes, and it's diagnosed with hemoglobin A1C. The numbers, uh, important numbers to know are 5.7 to 6.4. But um, another good takeaway is that your lifestyle can uh, make, a, make a huge difference. Kind of along the same lines, Kathy Hines at 1225 says, I'm starting the 21-day Kickstart program on Saturday. Kathy, good luck. I think you're going to do great. But she says, my diabetes is out of control. Is there a list of foods you should not eat, such as coconut oil or coconut milk? Um, yeah, so specifically 
since you said specifically about coconut milk and coconut oils, I will say that they are saturated fats. And those are the specific types of fats that we want to stay away from. Um, those who eat plant-based essentially don't really get a ton of saturated fat in their diet because the majority of the saturated fat that we eat come from meat and meat products, such as dairy and cheese. Um, however, there are some plant sources like, as you mentioned, coconut oils um, and that are that's also found in coconut milk. And saturated fat um, is absolutely something that you want to get rid of because, as I mentioned earlier, it can interfere with, it can contribute to insulin resistance. So fat is a good, um, saturated fat, coconut oil, coconut milks are good things to avoid. If you're going to use them, use them very sparingly, um, but something that you should probably limit uh, considerably in your diet and completely avoid if you can. Uh, Kathy coming up with this question at 1226. I sympathize with you so much. She says, I love nuts and seeds, but can't control how much I eat. I need to keep them out of my mouth. Do I need to keep them out of the house? And will I miss out on anything by avoiding them? Great question. Nuts and seeds are wonderful. And, you know, with all of us, to some degree, we think a little bit is good and a lot of it must be really, really good. But unfortunately, you know, nuts and let me tell you, nuts and seeds are are essential. They are healthy. They are good foods because of the fat content of them. However, um, it can sometimes undo all of the good work that you might be hoping to gain from adopting a whole food plant-based diet, such as losing weight. And losing weight is really important for lots of other things like decreasing insulin resistance, improving blood pressure, uh, et cetera. So finding a way for you to, if so this is going to be a really personal um kind of decision and choice and, and something I work with my patients, we actually have very similar conversations with my patients at Barnard Medical Center about how, what foods, some patients just can't have certain foods in their house. And if that, if nuts are that for you, keep them out of the house, maybe use them or choose them if you're eating out or um, if you're having, if there's a special occasion for them, if that's something that you really feel like, you know what, I really can't face nuts constantly and be tempted by them without overindulging, get them out of the house. But if you're at a place where you feel like, okay, I just need to portion control, limit the amount of um, nuts that are in your home. For example, don't go to Costco and get the big box because you want to save uh, money on it uh, because you might inadvertently end up eating a lot of it. So limit the amount that you're bringing in would be the other uh, question. And I, you know, you don't have to completely cut them out because I think they are health foods. Just have to find a healthy way to eat them in the right portions. Question from Anita at 1229. My A1C used to be 5.7, but I've gone plant-based and now it's showing as low at 4.7. Should I be concerned that that is too low? No, you know, I've actually seen patients in my clinic who've had very low hemoglobin A1C numbers. And, and and to backtrack just a teeny bit, hemoglobin A1Cs aren't a 100% perfect marker for every single person. We know from research that, you know, those numbers can vary depending on who you are uh, potentially. So I wouldn't take too much stock in a one number at one point. Um, one, I want to say congratulations for bringing that number down. That's hard work. I commend you for that. 
keep doing what you're doing. Don't be discouraged by your hemoglobin A1C going down that low. Um, it's better to go that way versus it being higher. So no, I wouldn't worry about it. I would check in with your doctor, however, and just kind of make sure that your blood sugar levels are okay. Uh, they're staying consistent, but check in with your doctor um, for, um, you know, specific medical advice regarding that. Ian says that his A1C is at 4.3. Baby, congratulations, Ian. That's fantastic. Uh, I know, right? Uh, we have time for just a couple of more. Uh, here's one from Carol, 1229. I've been whole food plant-based for several years and have osteoporosis. Can that be treated with a whole food plant-based diet and exercise or is medication required? Yeah, so again, another pretty specific question. Um, you'd have to discuss your full health, you know, um, health history with your physician. However, a whole food plant-based diet is absolutely wonderful for osteoporosis. You know, we've been kind of taught that we need salmon and not necessarily just the omega-3s. We've been told that we need milk or dairy and not calcium. So pulling apart some of that is really key and important because in our mindset, I think dairy and bone health have been linked and intertwined just because of how we live and all the messaging and, and uh, the very focused messaging that we get. A whole food plant-based diet has calcium, uh, rich foods um, in plants, in vegetables, and in, in fruits that you're eating. And if you're getting, again, a, ver a variety of those plants, you're going to be set up for really good bone health. And you brought, up, you brought up another great point, which is physical activity. We know, again, that research tells us that weight-bearing exercises, regular physical activity. And it doesn't have to be overboard, right? You can walk, you can get out there. Um, as long as you're moving and doing things that are helpful for your uh, physical health, that's going to translate into bone health. So the combination of a whole food plant-based diet along with regular physical activity, I think you're going to be set. You're going to do really well. Last question comes to us from Anu. She wants to know, what are the veggies that we can put in a smoothie and not lose any of their fiber? Oh, great. Yes. Um, so a lot of vegetables potential, you're, you're still going to get the fiber um, if you're putting them in a smoothie. When you lose the time when you lose fiber in vegetables is, is mostly when you juice it, right? So if you're putting fruits and you're putting vegetables through a juicer, and all of the pulp that's kind of left over, um, which can be used for lots of wonderful things. I, I learned recently that you can make uh, carrot pulp after you juice carrots at that pulp left over. You can turn that into sushi, which is really cool. Anyway, so the pulp that's left over after juicing, that's all the fiber. However, if you're making a smoothie and you're not juicing and all that fiber is still there, it's probably broken down into smaller bits and that's okay. So smoothies are fine. Juicing, you lose the fiber. So I would stick with smoothies and the vegetables that you can add are anything, anything that's appealing to you. I use a lot of kale. I use a lot of um, spinach and beets uh, in our uh, smoothies at home. And it doesn't taste, it, you know, change the flavor one bit. In fact, it tastes even more delicious. Um, so it's, stick more with smoothies because um, you'll still, get the fiber with smoothies. Uh, I see Shane. I'm going to call you Sugar Shane here, Shane, even though we're talking about A1C. He says, I lowered my A1C from 7.2 to 5.1 in three months doing a whole food plant-based diet. Yes. That's awesome. Amazing. I love hearing that. I love it. So many success stories in the comments today that I just, I love that so much. Dr. Jazz, thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you so much, Chuck.
You can check out The Exam Room live Monday through Friday at noon Eastern over on Facebook and on YouTube. We have dropped a link to both pages in the episode notes below. We'd love to have you join us for those shows. Now, here's a question that you may be asking yourself after listening to today's show. And that is, where can I find a good plant-based doctor who knows all about this stuff? Well, the good news is, that doctor that you're looking for can come right into your home via the wonders of telemedicine. You can make an appointment to visit with our plant-based doctors and dietitians, just like Dr. Sardana at the Barnard Medical Center. Now, everyone there really puts nutrition into a laser focus. And what sets them apart is that they treat the cause of the problem and not just put a band-aid on the symptom. The group there really wants to work with you to get on a healthier track and to help you have a healthier future. Does that sound good to you? Do you want a healthier future? Would you like to work with a plant-based doctor? If you've answered yes to that question, head over to barnardmedical.org or pick up the phone and call 202-527-7500, 202-527-7500 or barnardmedical.org. You can find that phone number and web address in the episode notes as well. New patients currently being accepted for those living in California, New York, right here in Washington, D.C., or in Maryland, Virginia, Missouri, Arizona, Colorado, Massachusetts, and Kentucky. If you live in any one of those states, go ahead and make that appointment today. I guarantee you will not regret it. A final thought about today's show as we wrap things up. And this really is twin magic. Our fate is not sealed by the health of our parents. It's not sealed by the health outcomes of our grandparents either. Because we can write our own chapters. And yes, we do inherit our genes. But what we also inherit are our habits. And while we can't change our DNA, we can change what we have for breakfast and for lunch and dinner. In the case of Hugo and Ross Turner... We saw these changes. We saw it alone with cholesterol. We're talking about twin brothers here with the same genetic makeup, but eating two completely different diets. And this was just a 12-week experiment. Just 12 weeks. But then think about the long term. Put yourself in that position long term. Imagine being the first person in your family without heart disease or the first person to reverse it or diabetes. Imagine being the first person to walk in a healthier path and then close your eyes and imagine having your loved ones follow right behind you. That's powerful stuff. And beyond that, think about what Hugo was saying about his energy level on the vegan diet. How he didn't have any crashes 
His energy was always consistent and he was ready to go. Imagine not having to drag yourself to the gym or forcing yourself begrudgingly to go out for a walk. Imagine feeling that way with all of that energy as you grow older while watching others around you the same age begin to slow down. You want to talk about being a role model. Life is short enough. So let's squeeze every possible moment that we can out of it. And as we squeeze those moments out of life, let's also try to feel our best. What a good show we had today, right? What a good show. So my final question to you is, who wants to help save a life? Do you want to help us save a life today? Here's a really easy way to do that. Just subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcast or Spotify or Stitcher and leave a five-star rating. Now, you might be saying to yourself, how can subscribing to a podcast save somebody's life? Well, here's the thing. Every new subscription that we get and every five-star rating that we receive helps us climb higher in the rankings. And the higher we climb in the rankings, the more publicity we receive. And the more publicity we receive, the more people will stumble across this show. This very show that contains all of this life-changing and potentially life-saving information. So if you could take a couple of minutes and head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify, hit that subscribe button and leave that five-star rating, that could go a long way toward helping make the world a healthier place. Big thank you once again to Hugo and Ross Turner, the Turner Twins, for joining us on the show today. And to Dr. Jazz, Dr. Jasmo Sardana for coming on and sharing some of that plant-based knowledge. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and keep it plant-based. <laughs>